0: Do you know what connects transcendental meditation, the work of a famous scientist, Einstein, and a significant decrease of a street crime rate? My name is Jana, and you're listening to the Timeless Teachings Podcast. And our guest today is Jim Bagnola, who will take us on a journey into the depths of our minds and give us truly mind-blowing facts and real-life stories about the benefits of meditation in a way that you might never thought is possible. Jim is an executive coach, an international speaker, an expert in creating professional human beings, and a meditation practitioner with 30-plus years of experience and practice. Make yourself comfortable and let's begin today's voyage! Jim, thank you for joining us today. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to um, our conversation. And uh, where are you right now?
1: (laughs) I'm in what is called Marishi Vedic City. It's outside Mm. of a small town called Fairfield, Iowa. And it was incorporated because all the homes here are built according to Stapatya Vade, which means they're facing east and all the rooms are based according to the movement of the sun so for instance that's very
0: the, interesting
1: the sun is is directly over where you're eating for lunch so that digestion and digestive fire is the highest so um you know every house here is is based on that uh, ancient way of building homes and uh, i wanted to be in a in a home like this because it feels so good being in it
0: yes and i know because we spoke before also right that uh, you really uh, teach at the very interesting also university and in general the town that you are staying and people that are living they are deeply connected to meditation
1: correct yes Uh, transcendental meditation is a practice that's been here since around 1959 and uh, uh, it was brought here by marishi Yogi, and he gave it to the scientist and says show show us what it does for the human body and the brain and so forth and so now it has 417 peer reviewed studies and it's um um I recommend it through my executive coaching because I've done it for over 50 years and uh, so the university was established and it's called consciousness based education because oh. Instead of just stuffing information into the brain without improving its capacity, uh we improve the capacity of the brain while giving information. So the brain uh in other words, if you translate that its intelligence growth rate is increasing uh Which is
0: literally right? Literally. literally. So because you you, you check students yeah. when yes. they come. They when they, they go come through they all have sort their of checks.
1: Uh, test and then after two years and then after four years and we have intelligence uh, growth and and this is not happening in other schools your intelligence stays about the same your information sometimes
0: declines
1: might well <laughs> depends on what you're drinking during that four years
0: Oh, how much you're potting yes, yes
1: you know. <laughs> so uh here we have students going to bed at 10 o'clock and you know it's just an odd university quiet calm uh you know uh, normally usually and people from all over the world i think uh, i've told you some of my classes leadership classes have um 40 sometimes 50 different uh, countries in the room so i love it i come in and i say welcome to the united nations
0: that's exactly it. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's very beautiful to see that there's actually a place like this where they experiment with the transcendental meditation, right? And you have been sharing how long they're doing it already and you can see the results. So that's just very inspirational for all educational system that we have. Um, okay. What I actually wanted to ask is about your personal journey. <laughs> how did uh, you? got into whatever people call under spirituality or meditation so how did that happen the dream is on the path
1: well you know as as uh, you know i mentioned to you before at age seven or eight all i i thought the priest in the catholic church knew everything and i i was a server boy altar boy helping the priest assisting and all I ever wanted to be, I want to be that priest. Um, and so at age 13, I went to the monastery to become a priest. And um, I did everything they asked to do, many five times of prayer a day, um, two masses a day, getting up at 4.30, going to bed at 9. And um, after one year, I, I was a little disappointed because I hadn't seen God. So I went into the, uh, the rector of the seminary and I, and he'd have been, he'd been there for 40 years. So I said, um, uh, you know, I'm disappointed. I, I didn't see God. I didn't have, you know, all these things that happened to all the saints. I didn't float. I didn't fly through the air. I didn't, you know, I didn't see Christ. I didn't get the stigmata. What? <laughs> and, and I said, so, you know, when am I going to get that? He said, you you have to be patient. And I said, well, how long do I have to wait? He said, "It's different for different people to see God. And I said, well, you've been here a long time. When did you see him? And he looked out the window for a long time, five minutes, maybe it seemed like forever. And he turned back and he said, I haven't seen him yet. And I said, then you have to call my parents and tell them to come and get me. I am not staying here for 40 years and not see God. And so the next th- thing I, I, I remember, uh, you know, getting on the path was being in psychology 101. And, uh, the professor put up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, um, uh, he, um, was explaining all of them and he gets to self-actualization at the top. So I said, Excuse me, uh, doctor, uh, how do we get that? Because all the other things, I think we have those, but how do we get that? And so he said, Well, Maslow said only 2% of the population, uh, can have self actualization. People like Einstein and, and, and Mr. Bagnola, I don't think you're an Einstein. And I said, Whoa. So why are we studying this? Why are we looking at it if we can't have it? You know, I don't understand why we're, we're talking about it if we can't have it. So from then on, I I always love when somebody tells me that.
0: That you can't have it. Yes.
1: <laughs> you know, like somebody told me when I was young, you have flat feet like my father, flat, no arch. You cannot run fast. You will not be a good athlete. So I ran the 10 and a half second 100-yard dash. And I've lettered in three sports and got a scholarship in baseball And because of that guy told me, you can't do it. So I went looking looking for it. And then finally, I, I read these this book about TM and science, Transcendental Meditation and Science. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, one of the pieces of research said it was um, four times more powerful in getting self-realization than any other technology based on science, based on a mega analysis, which means uh, there were 42 studies. And I said, okay, that's what I'm looking for. And and now, after 50 years of doing it, and at my age, I'm smarter, and my mind is clearer than I was when I was 20.
0: Can I ask how old are you, please?
1: 72.
0: 72.
1: Yeah. Wow. And I, I feel like 40. I feel like I'm 42 and, um, actually we are part of a study that, uh, talks about your psychological age, your, your calendar age and your real age. And the last time I was checked, my real age was 42. That's why I said 42. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. So I'm feeling pretty good at, at, at my age and I, you know, good health and clear minded. And, um, still still improving still learning Mm
0: -hmm. that's
1: why i'm with you tonight
0: that's why you're with me my tonight your morning (laughs) exactly exactly um let's talk a little bit about the transcendental meditation itself right given that you are doing it for what he said more than 50 years so you have a lot of years of experience of that so in your own understanding um what is that what is transcendental meditation?
1: Well it's it's a technique that that you start out you practice twenty minutes twice a day and it's a little simpler than any technique that I had attempted to try before that. I I did other techniques and they weren't effortless. They they were work. And this one is so effortless. Uh, there, in, in the research, there are three kinds of meditation. One is focused attention, where there's, uh, concentration. And then there's, um, open monitoring, which I'm monitoring my thoughts and my feelings and what's going on in my system and so forth. And then there's automatic self-transcendence. And that's where TM fits in. So it's so simple and easy, but it's allowing you to contact pure consciousness at every sitting many, many times. And how do I know that? Well, because the research, how, uh, many times do, do we reach a point of the highest coherence of the brain function is called transcending. So you can think a thought. You can replace that thought with a sound called a mantra. And that mantra is just a vehicle to take you to where it's like a boat going across a lake. When you're across the lake, you don't need the boat anymore. So you lose that mantra and consciousness becomes aware of itself. So it's 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 a very peaceful, simple, tremendous state that you carry over into your activity. So you're actually not meditation meditating for meditation itself. You meditate for the sake of activity because your mind is clear, you're more rested, you're fresh, and you do that twice a day. So it's um, simple, sitting, closing the eyes, uh, it's not something we pronounce out loud. It's an internal practice. Um, and I like to recommend it, not because I have practiced it myself for 50 years, but the research, 417 peer-reviewed studies. For those who really don't know what a peer-reviewed study is, it's a study where someone does the study, then they go to a reputable um, journal and they present they give it to them and the journal gives it to peers who are experts in the field they examine it tell you what they need to have changed before they give their approval and then once everybody approves the journal publishes it and it becomes peer-reviewed study which i think is the only scientific study if it didn't get peer-reviewed and so now this one has 417, so I'm confident when I recommend it to people because it's ancient, comes from a 6,000-year tradition of of uh, Vedic uh, civilization, uh, but it also is verified by, there are 10 million people practicing uh, it now around the world, and then it's verified by science. So ancient tradition, people experiencing it, many. And scientific verification, I like it. I'm confident when I, uh, recommend it.
0: The best of the best comes together.
1: <laughs> well, that for me, yes, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical because I had, uh, these professors like for psychology that told me, <clears throat> you can't do that. You can't have it.
0: You can't have and,
1: it. <laughs> you know, what I read in the book that, uh, Marishi wrote first was, Anyone can have this. Any, anyone can have self-actualization instead of 2% can have self-actualization. I like that better. Everybody has a chance. All they have to do is practice. And, 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 and they achieve, you know, many words for it. Enlightenment, salvation, um, nirvana, you know, so many things, self-actualization, self-realization. Um, and, and, you know, for me, that's the only thing we're taking with us. I, I can't take anything else but consciousness. So I better raise that level as much as I can in this lifetime. And I think that, that's what your program attracts. Your program attracts exactly. people who know that, uh, we're here for a short time and, 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 uh, we're here to really develop our our awareness and our level of being awake until we're awake to the divine and everything i and I think that's the purpose of your program
0: yes, absolutely it is, and also but important is how do we bring it then into the practicality in our everyday life right so that's the other thing interesting about. Anything that we call on the path, so whatever word people use for this, whether it is spirituality or mysticism or consciousness, or they want to get awake or enlightened or realized or something else. So fundamentally, it's
1: important to bring it to daily life. Excellent. Because for me, you know, I remember saying to, to my friend who practiced some other technique, and I forget what he practiced, and we're at dinner. And I looked at my watch and I said, I got to get going. I, I got to meditate. And he said, you know, you're, you're so pompous. You, you know, what do you have to tell people you have to meditate for? <clears throat> you know, you're like holier than thou. And I said, actually, no, I'm tired. And one of the things that happens when I meditate is I'm completely refreshed and energized at the end of the day. So I'm not, I'm not kind of, I'm not worried right now about enlightenment. I'm worried not worried about it, but <clears throat> I'm interested in gaining, wiping out all the stress and fatigue of the day and enjoying my evening. That's why I'm going to go meditate. And he said, really? It, it does that? And I said, of course. If it didn't do that, why would I stick with it? You know, for 50 years. <laughs> 50 years worth. You know, uh, the only other thing I do for 50 years is brushing my teeth but uh yeah. but but you know the thing is there's so many pieces of research about as we said growth of intelligence there's uh clarity uh that brings about empathy so you have better relations with people um they've done studies in business where people get along with others and they have higher performance levels than others they've uh, studied the brain and how the brain is developing uh, into a coherent functioning. Most brains function out of coherence. We have frontal lobes, occipital lobe, lobes right in the left hemisphere, and parietal lobes. And usually all of them are giving a different signal. And uh, the researchers say it's like a orchestra warming up. Ah, You know, you've heard it.
0: Sounds horrible. (laughs) Yes.
1: And that's the way most brains function, except when you now start thinking a mantra and you know the technique of using that mantra properly. And now those line up to what is called brainwave synchrony. Now they're all in harmony. And what does that indicate? Higher creativity, higher intelligence rate, um, better long and short-term memory. Um, you know, people are so like in this VUCA age, you know, volatile, uncertain, you know, complex, ambiguous age. Uh, the researchers will call it micro stresses. And then you add COVID to it and they're, they're calling it micro stresses. And they said it's affecting everybody's memory. Mm-hmm. These micro stresses are affecting, you know, I mean, have you ever gone into a room and wondered why you went there?
0: Well, I am much
1: younger than you, and it did happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, why am I? What, what did I go in this room for? But um, uh, it releases that stress, so that um, it affects everything: mind, body, behavior, and even the environment. They've done uh, studies where um, I was part of two studies: one in Jerusalem, and one in uh, Washington D.C. where I'll give you the example of Washington, DC. It was a very simple study. They had the highest crime rate right outside of the Capitol, right around it, looped. People couldn't even walk out without uh, protection by because all of the street crime right in our our capital. So uh what they found earlier was that if you have 10% of the population meditating. Then crime goes down automatically. You affect the whole environment. So if you do some of the advanced programs, now you only need 1% of the population. So 4,000 of us gathered together in Washington, D.C. in July and August of, I think it was 1994. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a study that's been Uh, replicated 10, 12 times now. So we all went there. We started meditating. Before that, we had a um, press conference. And the president of this university, he's a a world-renowned physicist, he gave a talk on TM. And he said, we expect crime to drop about 20%. And the police chief said, let me tell you something, sunny boy. The only thing that will drop our crime, 20%, is a snowstorm. And it's July and August. It's so hot. You know, it's like Singapore every day. Yes. It's so hot. And, and and so at the end of the, I think it was six weeks, the scientists came in to another press conference. And it was interesting. The police chief didn't show up because... Mm-hmm. Nothing else had changed in the environment. They didn't add police. There was no snowstorm. Nothing changed except these 4,000 people who came in to practice this program. And crime dropped 24%, not 20. And other scientists looked at that, not not scientists who were meditators. They were measuring crime and what other thing happened? Nothing. So, so police chief couldn't say, well, it was this or it was that. It was that. The only difference was the practice, and and so this was this has been done on that that's a the level of a city, but this has been done on the level of the world. Uh, in Jerusalem, I was also part of another study in in the eighties that showed this was during the Lebanon war with Israel. I mean, we were meditating, but on the border we heard boom, boom. You know, the war was going on. And, um, and so, um, anyway, every time we had 1% of the population of Israel, the whole country changed. Crime went down. Admissions to hospitals went down. Wow. Negative reporting in the newspapers went down. So this is what people like you and people you interview have as an effect on the world. You know, we can bring coherence to incoherence wherever it is. We just don't have enough people to get 1% of the population of the world yet. But we will. I'm getting
0: goosebumps, Jim, seriously. You know, because one of the common question I, I, I heard People asking, let's say, monks or yogis, you know, those teachers who spend years and years in meditation and... It always pains me to hear that question from them (laughs) when someone walks in the room and says, okay, you, you know, pointing at the teacher, sitting somewhere for 10 or 12 years in the forest or mountain, in the isolation, meditating, how do you help the world, right? And every time when I hear this question and I was like, seriously, is this what you want to ask? But I'm so glad that you're so beautifully explained And already just those examples that you provided, how it helps.
1: You know, uh, this in physics, everything I say has a scientific verification, or I'm not going to say it because I don't know. You know, if somebody asks me about global warming, I I tell you, I don't know. I just know it's having some effect in the world and we need to do something about it, but... I don't know the science, but in physics, what I explained was called—it's called action at a distance. In fact, Einstein called it spooky action at a distance. That how could I sit here and affect people who want to commit crime, but can't because there's more coherence in the atmosphere. So the way it happens is this: if you look at the, the the four levels of energy in the in the world. You have the unified field. This is consciousness in the human being, but in in physics, it's called the unified field of all the laws of nature. And all other laws spring from that. So they have strong and weak interaction. They have the electromagnetic field and they have gravitational. And if all of those drop, it comes to the unified field. Well, just use the example of electromagnetic field. I have a television, and there's a satellite circling the Earth. And then there's a television station somewhere, and that television station is directing a signal to the satellite, bouncing off of the satellite, coming to my TV. Now, I cannot see any of that. But that is the electromagnetic field that this signal is riding on. It's the spooky action at a distance. Uh, in physics, you know, it's funny to hear. I love the distance. Just... <laughs> you use the word spooky, and yeah, and Einstein. You you can look it up. A spooky action at a distance. Now, if you drop to another level, to the unified field, whatever happens to me is happening to everyone. I'm 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 really contacting the same energy that everybody has when they're awake, they're conscious. Consciousness is the, um, common denominator for every human being. So, in that, at that level, whatever I do affects everyone because we all are, have the same consciousness. So they call it Brahman. Uh, you know, there's individual Atman, the soul uh, Mm -hmm. in Vedic science. And then that Atman is connected to the universal soul, which is called Brahman. Um, -hmm. and, and everybody is Brahman. Everybody's connected to that. So we affect everyone by just the thought that we have or our coherence or our incoherence, sort of like the body. If I'm angry, every cell of my body is angry. If I'm happy and I'm coherent, every cell of my body is, is, is coherent and, and, uh, and peaceful. So, um, just,
0: just to add, just to add here, just to add here before you go, you know, to the next level, um, a, a, a practical also experience, right? Because I love how beautifully you explain it scientifically. And I know nothing about science, to be honest, when it comes to spirituality. So I'm a practitioner, so I know the practice. So that's why for me, it is fascinating to hear how you explain all of this. But I just think it's exactly what you said about all those levels uh, when I'm next to people who have been practicing for years and years and years, I can feel this in the air. It is something which is beyond words it, it transmits right and that's why also like if we talk about the mystical schools that they often talk about the transmission so it's an energetical transmission it's not necessarily what you read it's not necessary maybe even what you say it's uh, the person who have been doing it for very long time looks at you and you receive it right and often there are no words in this and i just love how you explain this from a scientific point of view why it happens so we like this tv set that just receives you know receives that that uh that information and then we see what we can do with this so yes please continue very interesting well,
1: you know i just <laughs> wanted to just use a simple um uh, a simple thing that's happened to everyone you are going about your daily activity and um, you have a thought of somebody and the next moment the phone rings and it's that person Everybody, you know, you talk, everybody had everybody this experience. Had exactly. Now, where did that come from? It came from the fact that our consciousness is all linked. Spirit is 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 in everyone. it's that non-material material that the entire universe is made of, and so we're part of the universe. So we're consciousness, uh, basically, and and our job is to develop that consciousness. Uh, to higher states. I remember I was talking to a group of of Indians, uh, uh, India Indians, and, uh, you know, I mentioned enlightenment, and this guy raises his hand, a young guy, maybe 25 years old, and he said, you know, my grandmother talked about this crap. You know, this is such a (laughs) crappy idea. You know, it's so not practical. So what's your definition of enlightenment. And I said, well, it's the ultimate development of what we ordinarily consider our highest values in life. And he went, wait a minute. Now that's practical. The ultimate development, what we ordinarily consider the most valuable qualities of human life. So if I'm going to develop something, I want to develop energy, intelligence, creativity, happiness love those are the basic elements of consciousness and so if i develop it if i'm if i'm uh, in deep sleep i have very little of any of those elements if i start to dream i div- i i have a higher state of consciousness i have more energy i have more intelligence more creativity i can enjoy the dream or not enjoy the dream the capacity to experience happiness when i wake up now I have as much as I can have in my waking state. However, I can develop all of those through transcending. More energy, more creativity, um, more um, happiness, capacity to experience happiness, more intelligence. All those things should increase. And the sum total of it, I love. I can love more. It's, uh, it's why we're here on the planet, to enjoy and love and and uh, so higher states of consciousness means the ultimate development of what we ordinarily consider to be the most valuable qualities of human life.
0: That is so beautiful. And also, as you say about love, um, I think if we touch upon any teachings of any culture and any time that we have already existed as a humanity, fundamentally, it was all about the heart opening, anything right so it's all about being either kind or compassionate practice transcendental meditation or perhaps pretty much any spiritual practice actually leads to that place where people just able to love more what was your experience about it
1: well um i i have this feeling sometimes of unbearable compassion. I can't even talk about it without feeling uh, uh, that I might tear up. You know, all the people dying of COVID, you know, they're they're all somebody's aunt, somebody's uncle, somebody's daughter, son. And, you know, there's just this feeling of compassion um, that uh, becomes more and more So much that I'm a public speaker. I'm a professional speaker. And people ask me to speak sometimes at funerals. Like my father's or mother's funeral, I couldn't do it. Uh, I had, my heart was so open and vulnerable, I couldn't speak. And so my brother had to, and he's not a professional speaker. He did a great job on in both uh, funerals. But I couldn't do it. I, I I did it for someone that I didn't know. One time I was okay, but if I know you, I I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. I, I just nothing nothing would come out of my mouth. Uh, so I, I i i gave it the I gave it the adjective unbearable compassion for another person. So much empathy that I can I can feel it. As if it was mine.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. And that... Yeah, please. I just think that's the essence of love. It is. And yet, let's go deeper into this, because this is actually a really... Um, it's a deep topic, and... um That's also what I have seen with people who are practicing that they become, I think what is called empath, right? This is the word that people use. So this is exactly what you said when you have this capacity to literally feel what the other person is feeling. And like anything else in the dualistic world it has two sides. (laughs) And we live in a dualistic world, right? So on one and it is beautiful, and it's what you said, it's this very exalted feeling of connectivity, basically, that's what it is, and often it goes very high, and, 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 and this is when people talk about bliss and ecstasy and connection with the universe, or whatever word they use on the universe, right, and often they say it's much stronger even in terms of experience than a personal human love because you suddenly just feel just so much for the entire world and beyond. And this is very powerful and very elevating. That's one side. <laughs> and then it has another side where um you feel the same about the pain. And this is what you're referring to. You feel the same about the suffering of others. You feel the same about... um any sort of like emotional, mental anguish or like volatility that is happening either on the individual level for other people or on the collective level. And that could lead into despair. And I'm just sharing it here with you because I, I have seen people like this and I have worked with people and I myself have been through my life at different points, you know, experiencing this one way or another. And so for me, it was always interesting how do we keep this balance? Right? We want our heart to be open. Like We want to be able to feel all of this. We want to have this connectivity. But then, you know, I remember uh, just last year before the pandemic, I went uh to a monastery. And it happened to be a Buddhist monastery in India. And I was the only white person there. Like the only one. <laughs> so it was Thousands and thousands of people who, local people, right? So they're all practitioners. Most of them are from Bhutan or Tibet because they, they, they came for the, it's a big, the annual puja that they do. And they all looked at me and I'm also a woman. I'm a young white woman, right? So they look at me and they're like, what are you doing here, ma'am? So that was there. And, uh, but this is another story. Uh, but why I'm sharing it? Because at some point, um, After the whole, you know, process was done, I got to meet the headmaster. So the headmaster of the monastery, and he was giving like a teachings and transmissions. I got to have like a a private personal audience with him. And I still remember that feeling when I walked up to this person, you know, and he touched my head with his hands. What I received is not just energy. I had this tremendous feeling of his heart. And like in a split second, I felt so much of this incredible love and incredible pain at the same time that I, I nearly like fell on the floor. You know, it was so strong. It was like boom. And I was like, wow. And he's living like this. Twenty-four-seven. How is he carrying this energy within him, right? So that's why I'm sharing it right now. That it always has two sides, and we need to be honest about it, also with ourselves. And I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So we can't, um, we can't tell people that meditation is always bringing you to. Good places, because it is not true. It could also bring you to places which are really, really difficult because you just feel so much. So what do we do then when that happens? How em- do we live with that?
1: Emerson said it this way. Mm-hmm. Emerson is a great uh, American transcendentalist. I think they called Emerson, uh, wrote about enlightenment. And he said, if you clean the windows of perception, then you will see what everything is really made of, and what it is is infinite, mm-hmm. infinity. So cleaning the windows of perception means, um, as I clean, because this is what I'm doing when I'm transcending, doing during meditation. I am taking the past impressions were. Which are, it's called chit, C-H-I-T. The chit is a storehouse of impressions, uh, in the mind. And those storehouse of impressions, good, bad, strong, weak, they, they actually are forcing us to be what we are. They're, they're, they're seeds for future action. And, um, when we meditate, we roast those seeds so that they just become memory instead of are forcing us to do our next action. So an impression is a seed for future action. So I, I, I eat an ice cream cone, uh, and I really like ice cream, and it creates the impression in my chit. The next time I pass an ice cream shop, the impression goes through my senses, and it it is um, it it finds the like um, uh, impression. It vibrates, and it it comes out as desire. And I go in and I have another ice cream. And people who are addicted—if you go far to addiction—this is what happens in addiction: that uh, I have impressions that are so strong they force me to act in ways I don't even want to act anymore. But they're, they're, these are seeds for future action. So there's this cycle, impression, desire, action cycle. And I, I'm caught in it. This is karma. I'm caught in this wheel. The way I get off of it is I roast those seeds. I have to release the stress associated with them in my body. So when this master touched you, you felt the bliss of the transcendent and at the same time the release of stresses. We call them stresses, but they are impressions in the system. Whatever impression you have in the chit, you also have a like impression in the body, which we call stress. And when we release this mental impression, we have to release the physical stress that goes along with that. Because the impressions were kind of experiences that were overwhelming to us, whether overwhelmingly good or overwhelmingly bad. But there are stresses in the system. So sure, when you practice a meditation technique, you will have release as you are refining the nervous system. So it's refinement But it's also purification. Mm -hmm. Now, with, with, with TM, uh, it's a very gentle purification when you meditate twice a day, 20 minutes twice a day. And, you know, what I got used to long time ago is that enlightenment is like your relationships or like your career. It's just slowly developing. There's no instant gratification. You're not going to sit down and, you know, it's something I've learned that, you know, if I ask God, God, this year it's patience. I need more patience. God doesn't grant me patience. What God grants me is opportunities to practice patience. It doesn't, it doesn't, he, she doesn't give me patience. It, it says, Oh, you want patience? I will give you opportunities to perfect patience. So all day long, I go, Oh boy, another test.
0: Why did I ask for that?
1: <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the traffic and I start to get edgy and I go, Oh, another opportunity to practice. Because if I don't practice, it doesn't become part of me. I can't be patient unless I practice it. So the same as unfolding consciousness. I get more compassionate because love is the heightened state of appreciation. So the more I appreciate my surroundings, the more I become compassionate. And I become, I keep appreciating until I find that everything on earth is divine. My, my, and it's no longer perception, it's cognition. See, perception is, it's coming through my five senses, perception. So I see something, I hear something, I taste something, right? But when I start to cognize the finest relative is divine, it's heaven on earth, and I start to see everything sort of like, who's the painter that paints these 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 um these scenes that look celestial. Um
0: There are several who
1: do that. <laughs> French, French. Uh anyway, he he paints what you cognize, cognize means or rec recognize. I am re-thinking, re thinking, uh, re sorry, re-knowing, cognizing is knowing. Where I came from in the first place, this celestial, uh, part of the earth, the finest level of the relative. And the next step is I'm those things. I'm not separate from those things anymore. I am those things. I am the spirit. They are the spirit. But to get there, you're right. I have to purify and refine, refine perception until I can cognize. Uh, the, the ultimate, uh, energy, creativity, intelligence, and happiness called sat chit ananda, absolute bliss consciousness, uh, uh, until I can cognize that, but I need to purify my body in order to have that experience. So, uh, with, with TM, it's actually a comfortable release instead of all at once, like you would have if a master touched you. This is all at once release. That's tough because it's coming out all at once. And, and, it, and it never comes out all at once because it would overwhelm our nervous system. So whatever could be released was released at the same time that you're experiencing this bliss.
0: You know, in the other word, they also call it purging, right? There's a word that they use, at least in a spiritual world, they call it purging and it's in relation to um like really intense practices or processes that sometimes use various, you know, tools how to get people there. But with what you said, it is Overwhelming, And also in my experience because I have been experimenting and looking for different ways for a long time now until I settled in my own practice. So that's uh, very strong experiences. Sometimes it's too much for the mind to process. Right. So that, I mean, so much is just happening that it takes a while for people to understand. And then they are also asking, well, I thought I'm going to feel better. And now I started doing this and everything is worse. So and we have to tell them, yeah, you're going through a purification process. And people go, yes, but for how long? And then the answer is no one knows. It depends how much you have to purify.
1: That's, so, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the right answer because um we put it all in there and it's the good thing is that it is limited it it has a limitation because it's finite it's not infinite consciousness is infinite but the stresses we put in our system are finite so sooner or later they all have to leave and once they're all gone then we have the finest level of appreciation and love and we have the highest level of consciousness and it's only allowable if we've released stress. So what also happens uh in, in TM scientifically, the body, breath, heart rate, all these things drop to the to the deepest level of rest in just 20 minutes. They happen it happens in the first few minutes. It stays there. And the level of rest allows for the level of that level of deep stress to be released. So it's deeper than sleep. So sleep releases fatigue, which is kind of surface stress. But this deeper stress is we need meditation. We need a deeper state of rest, a practice to allow that to happen because those stresses need the same amount and depth of rest to release them, to dissolve them. And so scientifically, they've looked at this and they see, they look at oxygen consumption and they notice, wow, that dropped 22% in the first two minutes of meditation. And so what that allowed for is a deep state of physiological rest. Rest releases stress. So there's purification. But there's also refinement.
0: Yes. 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 I love it. Beautiful. And it's also so relevant. Uh, what we just started our conversation with about what is happening in the world with the pandemic, right? I mean, the level of stress and, and they talk about mental pandemic now. People just go crazy in lockdowns and quarantines and everything. What is happening in their life as a result of what is happening in the world. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's, Like, it's like now or never. So if we don't start meditating right now on a larger scale, then what else needs to happen to the world when we actually do that?
1: You know, it's kind of a thought where sometimes, you know, I'm feeling like, boy, I just, how do I fit in meditation today? And then I realize the world needs my meditation. It needs everybody's meditation. We don't have enough people sitting to meditate to create enough coherence. So whatever's happening in our brain is happening in the collective brain, the collective mind. And so I need to give it my coherent level. So when I meditate, the next six, seven hours, I'm creating coherence in the atmosphere. And then towards the evening when I could feel it, I know that I'm not creating coherence anymore. I need to meditate again. And this is a balance, you know, the balance of, 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 um, of meditation morning and evening, yeah. not just once, uh, twice is kind of balancing for your own physiology, but for the environment too.
0: That's beautiful. Uh, That's that's actually a really beautiful way to explain also why in the ancient texts they always say, right, that when you meditate, you actually do it for others. So, and you, you do it, I mean, they have their own words, how they explain it, but I love how you bring this clarity and practicality, why it is important that we stay to our practice, even if sometimes we might not feel like, or there is no time, or people have busy schedule, or something else comes up.
1: Spooky but it's action, it is so much bigger than we are spooky action at a distance yes. you know at distance. it's see we're not connected physiologically we're not connected but on the level of consciousness we are just like the satellite is not connected to my tv physically but it is on the on the um uh electromagnetic field it's connected on that field level so so connections can't, you know, people could say, there's no electric electromagnetic field. I don't see it. And I say, well, it's running right through this. Turn on your phone because your phone works because there's an electromagnetic field. Uh, you don't believe in a gravitational field? Go up to the fourth floor and step I outside. <laughs> yes. You'll see. Um, the the gravitational field you can't see it but it's operating and uh, then there's strong and weak interaction which are more powerful and atomic uh, but um, both beneath that if they all collapse they all collapse into the unified field which is our consciousness in the human being the unified field is consciousness and so to, to develop it we have to contact it we have to Purify and refine, and uh, then develop what we ultimately consider to be most uh, valuable qualities of human life. And uh, you know, they when they look at self actualization, they have these terms for somebody scientifically who's getting more self actualized. You know, they're they're uh, more compassionate. There's more spontaneity. Uh, they're they're more stable. So there's something the Stoics have taught me about 2,300, 2,400 years ago about the balance of everything means you have to have the coexistence of opposites. So you you can't just be humble. You have to be humble and courageous at the same time. You can't just be comf- confident and competent without humility. That's arrogance. So you have to have humility and confidence and competence, and that brings a balance uh, and not arrogance. So people say, um, "I, I'm a, I'm a self-made person." There's
0: Self-made no, millionaire,
1: very common word. <laughs> no, no such thing. There's no such thing. Uh, for me, every bit of any success I've had in my life comes through partnership. Uh, right, right now, you and I are partnering to come up with our brains or are, are responding to one another, creating something new. You know, that people haven't heard, hopefully before on on your interaction with people um you know they haven't heard that wow there's a university that actually all the students meditate and they 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 the only food they eat is organic in the in the um in the kitchen they they cook they grow the food here they cook the food here and it's organic everything they eat is organic and unfortunately for some meat eaters it's all vegetarian and you know so the meat eaters have to go downtown and get some meat um and that's okay you know it's not a moral issue it's a it's a scientific issue um but uh in uh, a university that takes one topic at a time for a whole month
0: yes this is what i love actually the most but you mentioned also before that's a very interesting way to educate so one topic for the month so it's for the full immersion and interesting from a meditative point of view But I also shared with you, I believe, this is how the practices are done traditionally. You take one practice and you go for a certain period of time until you complete it and you fully integrate it. And then you take another practice instead of just being overwhelmed, like also in a modern education system, when we have just so much information coming at once, where brain just cannot comprehend it and process it.
1: Six tests in one week. How, how, how did we do this? I don't even know how I did it when, when (laughs) I did it. it, You know, I didn't get much sleep. I know that.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. You know, Jim, just before we, we probably coming soon, you know, as I think it's to an hour of our conversation. I don't know. Yeah, exactly the time, but just before we are signing up, I would like to ask a few questions because you teach about leadership. Right, so this is a very interesting one. You teach about leadership, and you also, from my understanding, work also with with business people, right? So, so you bring this meditation aspect and transcendental meditation aspect into your leadership training. Let's talk about this a little bit. Just what, like, yeah, just what do you see? Like, what the results do you see? Well,
1: you know, <laughs> just a couple of things to lay a groundwork. One is a leader. Is a person who has followers. If nobody's following you, you're only taking a walk. Good one. (laughs) So this is number one. It's an influence process by which we gain people to follow us. The second thing is, it has nothing to do with a title. People do not follow titles; they follow you as a person, your character. Uh, your the uh, what you do and say. Um, they follow that. Um, then the third thing is that leadership is a combination of leader plus follower or followers, which equals a power called leadership. So another word for leadership is is uh, partnership. Mm -hmm. leadership is a partnership nobody can do anything by themselves so the title of my course is leading is everybody's business Mm
0: -hmm.
1: people have to and that's the title of my next book that i'm writing currently that it's everybody's job to lead from where they are in the organization or the community you think mothers are not leaders you got to be joking they're they're taking care of the kids, taking care of the household. Go, got another job, <clears throat> doing this and that. They're the most amazing leaders in society, and and it's underrated. Somebody says, "I'm uh, a, I'm a, i am aii am I take care of the home. I'm a homemaker. Oh, a homemaker." The 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 should be
0: like wow, a yes, homemaker. Should say, I should "I <laughs> bow
1: down to you," yes, because of all the things you do all at once. So what we incorporate is if you want to, um, gain more, a better relationship, which you need to get followers, a clarity of mind and competency, which you gained through higher states of consciousness, raising your level of consciousness, reducing your levels of stress, bringing more coherence to the team, um, getting along better with people, um, being clear about where we're going and how we're going to get there. Uh, all these things come from release of stress and, and meditation techniques. Uh, so uh, this is a natural for smart businesses. We have businesses who refuse to tell other businesses that they practice TM because they think it's, it, and it is, a strategic advantage. It's a strategy, and you know we're not telling our comp our, our competition what we do. So people say, "Do you? You know, we heard that you you took a course in in, in meditation. Where'd you hear that? Uh, other ones share share that you know everybody needs to upgrade <laughs> their their consciousness. So we share with the fact and we let people do um, uh, scientific research on our teams that are meditating. And that's fantastic because now we see a highly developed person, a more self-actualized person is a much better leader, can get followers much easier than if I'm not developing myself. So it's, it, it's called a servant leader.
0: Mm-hmm. it's it's love a it. servant leader love it
1: <laughs> it's a combination of of opposites a servant leader and and they're interested in their own growth and development and they're interested in the development and growth of all the employees their family um and and this is how we're permitted to teach tm in an organization because the leader is or the ceo or the general manager is growth in the growth mindset, not in the fixed mindset. Fixed mindset is, at age 25, my brain no longer can develop. I'm done. The body developed to its full potential, and that's it. I can't change. I can't learn anything, I anything more. That's fixed. If you're in growth mindset, I can learn until this body doesn't function anymore. You know, I'm always a work in progress. So leading is about growth and learning. And that is this practice of increasing our consciousness versus fixed where I'm not interested in, in getting more intelligence because I can't. Yes, you can. I'm not interested in changing. Once I'm 25, it's hard to change. No, it isn't. Uh, so, this is a basic understanding uh, where meditation fits perfectly, growth and learning. Wow. I, hope that, I hope that answers the question.
0: Yes, it does. I'm sure people who are listening and who are into business, because a big part of the program also is practical spirituality, right? So, there is just another inspiration why we should be all practicing, whether but you said stay-at-home moms need practice basically yeah, right yes. so CEOs need practice same uh, monks and yogis need practice all of us uh people in the government need practice Please. people in the edu- yes <laughs> people professors you know education sector need practice
1: absolutely and
0: uh, i mean everyone pretty much any person in the society and i just want to kind of you know summarize at the very end right now that it's what you said if we just get well, at least 1% of the population, better 10, because you said 1% yeah, for the event practice, right? So better 10. So let's keep it simple. If we just get 10% of the population to practice twice a day, 20 minutes, then that's, that's how we change the world.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there, there is a solution to, to, uh, one part of the many solutions to really bettering our, our planet.
0: Thank you. Thank you, too. So much, Jim. That was, uh, that was very, very interesting. So for thank me, Thank you too. for your time. Yes, and uh, I definitely learned a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> me, too. <laughs> me, too. Yeah. Oh. Thank you, Jana. It was, uh, it was great. I'm glad we finally... After seeing each other and some Romanian people telling you about me and.
0: Yes, you know who you are. Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> yes, I'm glad actually we made it happen across just distance. And, uh, um, I do feel that whatever you share today during this hour is actually very, very insightful. So I'm, I'm in deep gratitude.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure for me and thank you for partnering with me.
0: Wow, that was a powerful and deep dive into the world of transcendental meditation, a new type of education and conscious leadership. Did you enjoy the interview? Feel free to share this episode with friends, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Stay wild. And be humble. До встречи!